Thank you, Greg. Thank you for everyone leading us in worship this morning. Good morning. Uh, I've really enjoyed being back in the Pacific Northwest these last few months. If you didn't know, I'm from here originally in the Pacific Northwest. I've especially appreciated getting back into some of the hiking opportunities that are available. Um, I tried the Puyallup Loop Trail, actually, for the first time in my life. And uh, I was doing it in the summer, and I was starting out on this trail, and it kind of starts near a park, and it's a very forested area. But as I approached the trailhead, my heart sank a little bit, because there was a, have you seen me sign? And I was like, oh my gosh, it's just, that hurts, right? When you see like a missing person sign. But I got a little closer, and it it was not a missing person sign. This person had been seen way too much, way too often. Um, And there was their picture. It was a little furry. Uh, Apparently, one of uh, Yogi Bear's relatives has been a little bit too friendly on the Puyallup Loop Trail, and this bear has been a little curious of the hikers of late. And so my senses were very heightened at that point as I walked on this trail. Every turn of a leaf, every branch that moved, I was thinking, what is that bear? It's, It's coming for me right now. Do I need to get like a really sharp stick or something? Yeah, that'll work. Um... But, you know, it got, it got me thinking, what exactly is the difference between a, a healthy sense of danger compared with walking in fear? Because oh, we've all heard stories, right? We've all heard stories about people who go the other way, and they get way too friendly with wildlife. Way too friendly. Um, like, just because they wanted to take a selfie, right? Um, or wondering whether or not the bear wanted to sniff your hand, or maybe lick your hand. Um, Well, the past few weeks we've been uh, in this series, uh, Beyond Belief, which is also a theme we've chosen for the year. And and what really is then the line between uh, a lack of common sense, right, a healthy awareness of danger by being alert, and then walking unnecessarily in fear? And in this series we've been in, we're recognizing God is able to do way more than we could ever ask or imagine, as it says in Ephesians 3, way more in our lives, in our community, in our church. We may have faith for certain things right now, but faith gets tested and it grows when it's a place we've never been or something that is far outside of our control. And see, the next thing that God is calling us into often seems of believing. Every time God calls us on to something new or different, faith is at the center. And fear is often the temptation. What if that doesn't happen? What if it doesn't work out the way I'm expecting? And so we all have to wrestle with this tension between faith and fear, because what if God calls us to do something that violates what we believe to be a healthy boundary of fear or a healthy boundary of danger? What if God calls us on the other side of that? Maybe to do something that doesn't make sense. Maybe to build a relationship with someone that we've always thought to stay away from. I'm not here to give an easy answer for whatever that may be in your life. In fact, at different times, in different seasons, God's Spirit may help us answer that question in different ways. And it's important for us to remember that faith is, by definition, not just belief for something or even something outside the ordinary. Faith, in the biblical sense, is about trust. So faith is relational. Faith is relational by nature. Without a relationship with God, 
Our Creator, of course, we learn to navigate life by our own strength, our own wisdom, our own toughness, our own coping mechanisms. And then as we learn to walk through life, the things we rely on and the things we believe give us value come just from our own experiences, the choices we make, the place where we were raised, maybe our own accomplishments. But when we say yes to Jesus and we put our faith in Him, we learn to walk all over again. In fact, we have, to, we have to when we say yes to Jesus because following Jesus requires that we walk in a totally different manner. The very things that we believe make life worth living start to change and shift. This is what the phrase in John 3, born again, is really all about. It's what the word repentance is all about. In Colossians chapter 3, it says we used to walk one way and now we're walking another way. We're unlearning and relearning at the same time. And so in each step of that new journey, we're simply learning to rely on God, to have trust and confidence in Him with every joy and every challenge. Amen? That's what we call faith. It's also the church you're at right now, if you didn't know. Um, That's a joke. You don't have to laugh. It's fine. Um, And tragically, people may choose to not walk in faith because of some serious misconceptions about faith. Maybe they think it's only for the extraordinary people or for people who can believe for extraordinary things that are, you know, physics-defying type things. Or maybe it's just for the really religious people. Or maybe some people go the other direction and say, man, it's just for those simple-minded folks. Maybe faith is just for those people who, you know, need a crutch You know, those people who can't get through life any other way, so they just kind of pick up this idea of faith. And at times, people have thought faith, of course, was also only for the poor, right? And in other times, and in other seasons, like in Jesus' day, some people thought faith was really the the rich. The rich were the ones who had faith, because look, God blessed them with all this money. And so the reality of walking with God is much different than that. While it may be simple, Often, it's certainly not easy. And when we choose to walk in faith, it doesn't give us a green light to say that we are superior to others. Walking in faith does not give us permission to push aside our responsibilities by saying, ah, it's fine, God will take care of it, when God is actually calling us to act in faith. Walking in faith does not give us the ability to just bypass all pain and suffering and trouble and sickness. But walking in faith does mean we know who to cling to. Walking in faith does mean our confidence is set on God's promises of redemption and reconciliation. Walking in faith means we're holding on to God's grace and forgiveness more with every step. And walking in faith does mean we can trust in the one who is sovereign to make us more and more like Jesus. Because despite everything we could say about what faith is not, again, we know faith is relational. Walking in faith is always taking us beyond our belief because we are following Jesus. There's a story in Matthew chapter 14. It's one of the most well-known stories in Scripture, I think, about stepping out in faith. Literally, because it involves a boat. You probably know where this is going already. But it starts in verse 22 of chapter 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. 
After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves and because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. We get a unique window into this moment in Peter's faith journey and really all of, the, of Jesus' disciples who were in that boat on that day. One of the most intense faith moments probably that they ever experienced, probably similar to that moment of transfiguration. Now, I don't know about you, but I think this story of all the miracles of Jesus is, is pretty wild and pretty beyond belief. Right? Many of us have experienced times where we know somebody who is sick or ill or injured and they needed healing and we prayed for them and, and, and the healing came and it was awesome, but I don't know a single person who's ever walked on water, right? Anybody know someone who's walked on water? And hey, paddleboarding does not count, okay? I looked it up. Neither does water skiing without skis, okay? That doesn't count either. Um, see, there are many times... In life, when, when we, we look at a story like this and we think that, man, that must be what faith is all about. It's this extraordinary thing. And while most of us probably won't ever actually walk on water or do any kind of gravity-defying act, though, there are crucial lessons in this story for us today about what faith is and about what faith is not. Sometimes it's only ex- associated with the extraordinary, the laws of physics getting bent somehow, Sometimes the encounter here with Jesus and Peter, honestly, besides this encounter, I think of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, right? Um, One of the final scenes of the movie where he has to face the challenges of a literal leap of faith, it seems to his eyes that he will have to step out into a chasm. There's this great canyon. There's nothing there for his feet to catch him, nothing to support him, but he's got to go for it if he's going to complete his mission and get the Holy Grail. And so he steps out and he finds that there is actually, there is a bridge there made out of nothing but dirt and rocks and it has blended into the entire canyon. And somehow he, it's like he's just walking on just air. Looks invisible. Now what would you do, by the way, if you were Indy in that, in that circumstance? Would you just say, eh, I don't think the grail's that holy. I'm getting out of here. Um, but if faith is only for the intense moments in our life, it leaves out every other step of growth along the way, and it's no longer than about relationship. Whether the day is exciting or mundane, the time to pack up and leave or the time to just stay put, the time to speak up or the time to keep quiet and listen, all of it requires faith. Plenty of people live their lives every day without pursuing a relationship with God, without having a relationship with God. It's entirely possible, but for the kind of life God calls us to as His disciples, The kind of life Jesus is inviting us into, it is impossible without faith. We cannot live as Jesus did or love as Jesus did or sacrifice as Jesus did without the power of God and the Holy Spirit for every step. So besides being relational, what is faith exactly and what is faith not? How can we tell if we're acting with faith or living within our zone of comfort and safety? First, faith is responding to Jesus' call. Faith is responding to Jesus' call. Jesus acts first here. This is not Peter trying to psych himself up. Man, that water doesn't look too too tough. I bet it's probably 
probably pretty solid if I were to just stick my feet right out there. I, I could walk on that. That's no problem at all. Who cares about physics? And while the disciples are all wrestling with the wind and the waves and they're getting stung in the eyes by spray coming up over the bow, Jesus sees them out on the water and it is Jesus who walks out on the water towards them out of compassion. This isn't just some wild experiment Jesus is putting the disciples through to see how they do. The same compassion that brought Jesus to feed thousands of people just a few verses earlier in this chapter is bringing him out to the disciples in the midst of this storm. Every step of our journey requires faith, but it is especially true for us to understand we are simply responding to Jesus' compassion. And that requires a lot of faith. That requires a lot of faith to believe sometimes, because life will happen, storms will happen, especially if we're living a life of faith that does not rely on worldly wisdom, storms happen. Faith is not just trying to be positive when the storm hits. And there's nothing wrong with positivity. In fact, I think it's a pretty positive thing. Again, you don't have to laugh at my jokes, it's fine. But faith is responding to Jesus and to His compassion. Do you believe Jesus has compassion for you? Do you believe Jesus has compassion for you? Amen. Do you believe Jesus is ready to show up in your moment of need, no matter what may happen, no matter how bad things may be? Faith is responding to Jesus' call, not trying to convince ourselves of something. In verse 27, it says, when the disciples, or starting in verse 26, it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. While faith is responding to Jesus' action, faith is also believing in Jesus' reality. Faith is believing what God says instead of what our culture and even our own experience may tell us. And when I, when I say culture, I don't just mean secular culture. I mean what our Christian subculture sometimes even says. I mean the culture that we can create even among a small group of people. After all, these were Jesus' disciples. They had witnessed Jesus do a lot of incredible things and miracles, and they all together assumed it was what? A ghost. Not one of them was like, hey, it's Jesus. They all thought this was a ghost. As Christians, we can develop a culture sometimes of thinking we have to be perfect to receive God's love. Have you ever experienced that before? We can develop a culture of judging others. Have you ever experienced that before? We can develop a culture of thinking that God wants, or what God wants most from us, is to just follow the rules. Have you ever experienced that before? But why exactly did the disciples think Jesus was a ghost? Why was that the first thing that they thought? I was thinking about this, and it came to me that one of the shows I watched a lot as a teenager was the show Deadliest Catch. It's about crab fishermen out in the North Pacific. Anybody ever seen that show? 
it's an incredible show, and they, they go through all kinds of things. They go through ice storms. They have to rescue people falling overboard. And many times the conditions out there sound kind of similar to what the disciples are experiencing here. But when they get together afterwards at the local watering hole, they're swapping stories. Maybe it's about the size of the catch. Maybe it's something funny that happened. Maybe something they saw out on the water. And it's always interesting to hear them tell a story if there's also video footage of what actually happened. You can kind of match it up, and sometimes they do that in the middle of the episode just to keep people honest. But things get embellished, and there's you know, also some truth in some of those stories. But as you may know, several of Jesus' disciples were also fishermen. They, experienced, they were experienced on the Sea of Galilee. They dealt with storms all the time. And I imagine that many nights they would gather together with some of their other fishermen after a long trip, and they would swap stories about what they saw or what they thought they saw. And maybe they saw the Sea of Galilee monster one time, maybe even a ghost. And as these stories get told over and over again, the line between tall tale and reality gets blurred. And then you find yourself in a storm which was known to come on the Sea of Galilee very quickly. You're struggling against waves. Your body's dehydrated. The adrenaline's high. And all of a sudden, you see Jesus walking out on the water towards you. What else are you going to assume that it is other than a ghost? It's the first place their mind goes to is these ghost stories they've been telling each other their whole life. What exactly are they, are they seeing? They have no idea. They have no reference for this. Despite the miracles Jesus had just performed, despite having calmed a storm before, in chapter 8, despite knowing the power of Jesus and knowing His compassion, what holds greater power over their minds and imaginations in this moment are ghost stories. So what do we do when we're facing a storm and Jesus comes to us? Sometimes when God comes to us in the midst of a storm or a tragedy, in moments to rescue us, to save us, to comfort us, to challenge us, to rescue us, or to take us to the next step in our journey, we don't see rescue. We see another reason to be afraid. We don't recognize Jesus as Jesus. How quickly we can believe our cultural stories sometimes, too, that we need to just fix our own problems all by ourselves instead of the good news of Jesus that we serve a God of compassion who knows our every need. Why in the world would Jesus be coming to me? I'm in this mess all on my own, right? I made this problem all, all by myself. So surely I'm the one who needs to solve it. I'm the one who needs to fix my own mess. Or as the disciples may have said, we're fishermen. It's okay. We know how to deal with storms. We know how to handle a boat. Oh man, but I've heard about stuff like this before. That's got to be a ghost. And the disciples have to make a choice. In order for us to respond to God's compassion, to find the rescue we need and the growth God wants for us, we often have to set aside what we think we know. And that's very, very hard, right? Especially if we're certain of something. Like, you can't walk on water. Tried it? Doesn't work. But otherwise, we'll let terror and fear and bitterness and anger and a host of other things rule our minds. Faith means we believe God's story first, before anything our culture or even our own experience would tell us. But it's also important for us to see what faith is not. It says in verse 30, when he saw the wind, him being Peter, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. 
You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Faith is not a destination. Faith doesn't mean we can say, hey, good for me, I did it, pat myself on the back, I forced myself to believe in the right stuff, I've got faith now, I can kick back and relax. Faith is what moves us forward in our journey, to believe in God's grace and forgiveness every single day and for every step, whether it's the big moments in life or the ordinary stuff. Again, faith is relational. Faith is not destination because faith also comes out of humility, recognizing that we fall down and we need God's grace again and again. And humility doesn't come from trying to focus really hard, of course, on being humble. You ever try to focus really hard on being humble? You know what that does? It just creates false pride or a false humility, right? You walk around saying, yeah, you know what? I really am the most humble person in this room. I'm doing such a good job, way more humble than all those people. Humility requires focus on someone else, on something else, on God and God's kingdom. Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of of others. It is outwardly focused. Faith is much the same as humility. Faith comes out of humility. It doesn't come because we convinced ourselves of something to pat ourselves on the back. It comes because we focus on Jesus instead of the wind and the waves. Because at the end of the story, they didn't say that Peter was really cool because he walked on the water. It says they worshiped Jesus. And yes, Peter walked on the water. He also fell down in the waves, right? He got distracted by the wind instead of looking at Jesus. But it's interesting that the word Jesus uses for you of little faith. He uses that elsewhere in the book of Matthew. It also comes up in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is talking about God's provision for us, that He cares about us and will provide for us the everyday, ordinary things that we need it comes up also in Matthew 16 when the disciples are arguing about one of Jesus' parables. See, Peter messes up quite a few times in his life, but often because he keeps getting asked to step out of the boat. This was not the first boat that Peter was asked to step out of. He was asked to step out of the familiar and comfortable world of being a fisherman, what he had known his whole life. Peter was asked to step outside of the familiar world of the Pharisees' rule system. Overbearing as it was, it was still familiar. He still knew what to expect. And he was challenged by Jesus about what true godliness and true righteousness even really looked like. Peter was asked to step outside of what he had believed and had been told his whole life about Samaritans when he saw Jesus talking with the Samaritan woman at the well. And each time, like all the rest of the disciples, Peter's, Peter often misunderstands what Jesus is doing, right? He often does, it just doesn't quite click. He, he doesn't get it yet. It's beyond his belief to see what he's seen. But every time Peter does fall down or misunderstand, it's not final. He keeps getting back up because Jesus is there to grab his hand. He gets back up not because he pulled himself up by his own bootstraps, 
spiritually speaking, is because he looked to Jesus. But Peter also learns then from his mistakes. He gets up and keeps moving. Sometimes he gets stuck in shame for a time, but it's God's grace that's always there to remind him first of who he is as God's child. For all of us, things are the way they are right now. The status quo, if you will, of our life, whatever it may be, because we have a boat. The boat isn't bad. We have boats or safe zones because we're human. We live in a world with a lot happening around us and we're trying to protect ourselves. So we make a little boat and we sit it and we like it. And there's wind and there's waves, so why in the world would I try to get out of that boat? Boats aren't wrong, but sometimes the most troubling thing in the world is when the boat gets pointed out to us. There may be a safe zone we don't even know we have. It becomes just so normal to us. Maybe it's one everyone around us also has. They all have that same safe zone, the same boat, but God's calling you out of it. And around the boats we make, there's nothing good, just wind and waves. Don't want to walk out there. So we're going to trust our boat by continuing as we have, not just in the way we live, but also in where our identity is, our sense of value is, and that by trusting the boat, we'll be safe. Whether you're a person who likes structure and routine, or you like excitement and adventure, we all have a boat. We all have a boat. It may be a certain ideology we live by, and we're unwilling to have that challenged by the gospel, it may be something God wants to heal in us, but that place just feels just a bit too painful. It may be a certain circle of relationships we aren't willing to step outside of, or maybe it's a relationship that God has been encouraging us to step a little bit deeper into. Maybe how we relate to others, maybe how we spend our time or our money or respond to those who offend us. But God's will for us as His beloved children. Again, faith is relational. His beloved children and agents of the kingdom of God is not to just live inside a zone of safety and normalcy that we create. God's will is for us to thrive. God's will is for us to grow. God's will is for us to be able to trust Him more and more with every step. And the boats that we create can often be the very boundary we need to get past in order to truly thrive and take that next step in our journey. It's not by our own wisdom. It's not as though whenever we see something outside of the boat that seems really crazy, that we just go, oh, well, that's probably the right place to step, and then we just go for it. And although we journey together as the church, we are also, though, all on our own journey with Jesus, which means faith is not a competition. Let me say that again. Faith is not a competition. It took me a long time to get to a place where I could understand that, especially when I read a story like this about Peter walking on the water. Whew! I'm never going to do that. Man, that guy's like, whew, Hall of Fame level right there. Might intimidate us because maybe we think, even though we also probably, you know, sit in our little comfortable chair and we analyze Peter's actions and his fear and his impulsiveness, we probably know that doing some kind of gravity-defying thing in the middle of a hurricane would not be us. We would probably be hiding under a bucket, right? That'd be me. Didn't care if it smells like fish. 
how can I ever compare to that? But our journey of faith is not a competition. It's not about showing off. It's not about demonstrating, hey, I trust God more than you do, or that man, I'm never going to have faith like that person. Faith is about trusting in the one who rules and reigns each day, not bragging to the person next to us, or finding the next spiritual adrenaline rush. Faith is what called Peter out on the water, and it also is what called Peter, or it is, faith is what led him to call out to Jesus when he was sinking. In both cases, it was faith that led Peter to that. For whatever boat God calls us to step outside of, it may serve also as a reminder to others about God's goodness and faithfulness. For the times we don't know how to step out of a boat, it's okay if someone else's faith can help us in our time of need. It was only Peter who stepped out of the boat. But everybody worshiped Jesus. That's what it means to be the church. When faith isn't a competition but an encouragement to each other, that's what it means to be a community of faith. The only way we know who we are as the church is by faith. I mean, what tells us we should mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice, to care about the needs of others in the church and the world, and to allow love to push us outside of our boat so that we can be in relationship with someone who thinks differently and still love and still learn to listen and grow alongside of one another. What could possibly compel us to do that? Faith. That Jesus was and is everything he said he was and that he, was de- that he has defeated death through the cross and resurrection, what we sing about every Sunday. Faith is that we can be forgiven and, and forgive others and be reconciled with the power and love of God in our life because of Jesus' resurrection. Faith that God wants to do a new thing in our life and in our church no matter what season of life we're in, no matter where we are at in our journey. As we close in worship, and as I invite the worship team to come forward, I invite you to reflect on two final thoughts. First, we all have a boat. We're all in a boat. Just get used to it. It may be a rickety boat, but we all got one. It's a place of safety and comfort. Maybe even if that boat doesn't feel so safe because it's being overrun by waves, but whatever our personality and life story, we've got one. And in our journey of faith, we often have to step outside of that boat far more often than we want to in order to follow Jesus. Maybe it's not the crazy thing, like a physics-defined stroll through a storm, but it's just pursuing the thing God has been telling you He wants you to learn more about. Maybe it's the relationships He wants you to invest more time in. So consider the question, what is my boat? And how might God be inviting you to step outside of that boat right now? And second, when have you stepped out of the boat in the past in order to follow Jesus? How has Jesus taken you by the hand when you've fallen down? Because when we step out of the boat, we also have to prepare ourselves for not being perfect. Amen? We just might fall down. In fact, I'm going to go on record and say it's probably about as inevitable, I don't know, as a box of graham crackers turning into s'mores. Like, it's just going to happen. And if we're not careful, we can end up saying, why did God ask me to do this? Why did God ask me to do this? There was going to be all these wind and waves and distractions. Why did God ask me to do this if he knew I was going to sink? 
when we fall down, remember Jesus doesn't condemn us. Jesus doesn't just watch us sink. He reaches out to us and he takes our hand. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your grace for us. We wouldn't have faith if it wasn't for your grace. We wouldn't be able to be in a relationship with you if you had not taken the first and second and third and thousandth step towards us. So God, we are so thankful for your grace. That's what it's all about. God, we ask your Holy Spirit would just help us to stay focused on you so that we can learn more and more how to trust you each day. God, help us to learn not to be in competition, but to be an encouragement to those around us. In your name we pray. Amen.